The word multimedia is the use of a variety of artistic or communicative media using more than one medium of expression or communication. Café is a type of establishment that serves coffee and is known as a place where information can be exchanged. The following is the audio version of the Multimedia Café. Happy Monday to you folks. Welcome to the Multimedia Cafe. My name is Jason Spies. Thank you folks for pulling up a stool. Joining the conversation here at the Multimedia Cafe, a place where you never know who you're going to run into or what we're going to talk about. We've got a fantastic program in store for you today, but first I got to tell you, are you like everybody else? Do you got March Madness yet? Because today through till about, let's say about maybe Saturday, maybe, maybe Sunday, for sure Friday. Uh, the brackets are going to get busted. Right now is the peak of the excitement for the March Madness Tournament because it used to be it started on Thursday. Now, of course, it starts on a Tuesday for four, eight, four, I think, games, eight teams. And so it becomes a little bit different. You know, some brackets make you put it in beforehand. Some make you put it in on Thursday. I kind of stopped doing them when they got the four uh, play-in games just because it was it was kind of hard to keep up with, especially when you're raising a kid. You know, all you parents know what that's all about. Usually sports ends up taking a back seat uh, to a lot of different things. But this time of the year, the March Madness is one of my favorite sports events. That At least that first week is, you know, when you've got teams like Belmont, they've got a shot at it. And you usually there's some sort of... Uh, Southern team you've never heard of with a great name. Oh, the uh, University of Irvine Anteaters are in the tournament this year. But have you taken a look at your brackets? Have you gotten them all picked out yet? Uh, it's going to be quite a year for uh, March Madness. I'll tell you what, though. I do think it's going to be Duke. I don't know why, but I just think Duke's going to probably win the whole thing. Now, I know they've got a few losses during the year, but... I tell you, I don't think there's a team better. And usually the last X amount of years, those number one seeds have done pretty well in the brackets. So I'm going pretty heavy with my number ones this year. I may not put Gonzaga in there. I may not put Virginia in there, but certainly Duke and North Carolina. Then I take a look at the number twos, and the only one that I think could probably do anything out of there is maybe Michigan. Michigan State I see is there. But some of the other teams that are – destined to have a, a sleeper tournament, I guess, LSU Tigers. Now, they've been a pretty good sneaky team, so keep an eye on the Louisiana State Tigers. They're three seeds, so I don't know if it's that much of an upset, but uh, they are sneaky good, if that makes sense. I've paid a little bit of attention. Uh, Virginia Tech Hokies, I think, are a little overrated, as well as who is the five seed that's going to go down this year? Who is the five seed? Will it be the Auburn Tigers? Maybe the Marquette Golden Eagles? Mississippi State Bulldogs? Or the Wisconsin Badgers? You know, there's that every year it seems like there's that five versus 12 where there's always an upset. You know, and this year, like I said, we've got Mississippi State up against Liberty. Or you could have... Marquette and Murray State. You know, that might be the one. Murray State, 
they've got quite a win streak going. Uh, the Racers, I believe their name is. But I remember an article on Murray State just about a week ago talking about how they've just had this great run, haven't lost since something like uh, early January. Now, granted, they're playing you know, high school teams and junior high teams, but still pretty good. Auburn versus New Mexico State. Uh, the Aggies could do an upset, actually. They're primed for an upset. And then Wisconsin and Oregon. Oregon has that big guy, uh, Bull Bull, who I believe is Manute Bull's son. He's out. So Oregon kind of took a, a spill this year from being a little bit more of a ranked favorite to do something in the tournament. But the um, injury really did a number to them. So. Okay, let's take a look at who we've got on today's program. So, I, you know, the March Madness talk, I guess I got the fever too. Want to throw that in there a little bit. You got, you got the Louisville University of Minnesota game, Minnesota game, um, that you've got that Patino storyline, but that's I, I don't really like that. It puts the players in such an awkward position for no reason, so I hope the media doesn't do anything with that. And then, you know, you've got North Dakota State, the Bison, and they've got to do a play-in game. Here, they're, uh, everybody up in Fargo thought, you know, they're puffing their chest up. Hey, look at us. North Dakota State made it in, and they got to play a play-in game to pl- face Duke. How's that? you got to play a play-in game to then face Duke. That's interesting. But, hey, whatever. Let's see what else do we got here. Scanning very, very quickly some of the upsets that could happen i do believe kansas state could get upset by the university of california irvine the anteaters i would wish there was a different team there than that but hey that's the way the tournament plinkos out all right oh buffalo does good too they're a six seed uh that gentleman that head coach is destined to some great things remember the head coach of buffalo his name escapes me right now but he's going to be doing some things. I think it's the second consecutive tournament in Buffalo, mind you. They're not a big school. They're not a big conference. So uh, he's done some tremendous work. My guess is he's going to be coaching at one of the bigger schools very quickly. So, okay, let's get into today's program. I said I was going to, but then we didn't, and now we're back. Okay, Jeff Bass and Lee Lindquist with Ridge Enterprises. They've got a solar-powered oil well, one of those donkeys, you know, the Derricks. Well, it's solar powered. Can you believe it? So a little bit of a crazy conversation with Jeff Bass and Lee Lindquist. It's a great, it's more of a visual than it is, you know, an audio interview. I get that. But if you picture in your mind about a half a dozen big solar panels next to one of those up and down donkeys, uh, oil derrigs, that's what it is. And they're getting, you know, some decent rates on them. They're doing okay. It's, it's, a, it's a marathon. It's not a sprint in terms of getting your investment back. But interesting story how you're looking at some hybrids of some technologies and just some different ways that innovation is working out there. This is a great story for the energy industry with, you know, some guys that are trying to figure out some ways to be energy efficient and green. And, hey, why not? It makes it work a little bit. All right, then we talk with Dan South with Dome Technology. They're out of Idaho Falls. Talks about the concrete dome technology and how they're benefiting 
the oil and gas industry, the construction industry, and a number of other uh, uh, communities that are having some explosive growth happening. Big dome concrete, just fascinating the way they get those made. And uh, we do an interview with Dan South, Dome Technologies. Also, Jeff Bass and Lee, Lee Lindquist with Ridge Enterprises right here on the Multimedia Cafe, a place where you never know who you're going to run into or what we're going to talk about. Okay, that's going to, let's see, we'll take a quick break. We come back. Let's talk a little solar-powered oil and gas. My name is Jason Spies, and this is the Multimedia Cafe. So I could carry you in and give you life. I want to give you life. Because I'll be by your side whenever you fall in the dead of night. Whenever you call and please don't fight these hands that are holding you. Yeah, my hands are holding here in my side Whenever you fall in the dead of night Whenever you call and please don't fight These hands that are holding you And my hands are holding you Whenever you fall in the dead of night Whenever you call and please don't fight These hands that are holding you And my hands are holding here in my side Whenever you fall in the dead of night Whenever you call and please don't fight These hands that are holding you And my hands are holding you Here in my side, my hands are holding you. Jason Spies, the most trusted voice in the Bakken. I totally agree with you, and the word that you brought into this is fact. You tell the facts, and then you let people make up their own minds. You want someone who's competent, you don't want to get a bunch of rookies. Love listening to Jason Spies on the radio. And if I miss him there, I catch him online. Let's bring in Jason Spies, who is a multimedia journalist in North Dakota. Um, Jason, what's your thought on this? No one does an interview like Jason Spies. Meridian Energy Group of Belfield, North Dakota, is building the most technologically advanced oil refinery on the planet, the Davis Refinery, a project designed to achieve emission control levels the industry has never seen before. The Davis Refinery, working for North Dakota. MeridianEnergyGroupInc.com. Welcome back to the Multimedia Cafe. My name is Jason Spies. Thank you folks for pulling up a stool, joining the conversation here at the Multimedia Cafe, a place where you never know who you're going to run into or what we're going to talk about. Coming up next, we talk with Jeff Bass and Lee Lindquist with Ridge Enterprises. This is Jeff Bass with Ridge Enterprises. I'm the owner of the company. Um, we do gas compressor uh, packaging and um, also into the solar aspect of it. And my name is Lee Lindquist, also with Ridge Enterprises, and I'm the engineer and software designer for the solar project. 
Outstanding. Uh, thank you, gentlemen, for joining us here on the Crude Life Media Network. And I'll kind of give the audience a little bit of the origination of this story. Uh, it actually developed on social media where I believe it was Jeff Bass that had circulated some of his either photos or videos about a solar unit hooked up to one of those old donkey rigs out there. And I got to tell you, it was one of the coolest innovation meets old school analog meets uh, digital type of uh, um, scenarios you could see. And if you go to Ridge Enterprises, I'm sure that um, either on their social media accounts, they have it there. But so they brought on Lee Lindquist as well, the uh, engineer behind the whole solar project. But we're going to talk about other topics as well. But let's start off with that solar unit, because that's that to me is uh, really visionary it just seems like where this whole industry is going we've talked so much about the connection of of oil and gas to natural gas in terms of power generation but we're starting to see some solar come into it at least that's what i thought jeff talk to me a little bit about what this solar thing hooked up to the donkey unit is well it was a it was an idea of mine from about 10 years ago and and um, I, I had a lot of contacts in the oil field, obviously, in the electrical part of it. And, and I kept uh, talking to those guys, trying to, trying to figure out a way. We, we live in such a remote area um, that a lot of times we don't have access to electricity. And um, some of these guys don't have access to run off of their own wellhead gas. Uh, and they're spending a lot of dollars on, on um, propane. And uh, I just couldn't get anybody to believe in the idea. And, and uh, finally, uh, Lee's brother-in-law works for us, and we got to talking about it and, and got with Lee and, and um, kind of discussed what we wanted to do. And, and uh, Lee designed and, and uh, engineered the model. Uh, we built a, a prototype and had it out on a lease for 30 days just to test it. Uh, that particular well made six to seven barrel of oil and three barrel of water and 50 to 60 MCF a day. And uh, in the 30 days, we had no loss production uh, in, in run time. And it was just a very, very uh, neat and simple package uh, on, on the particular wells that, that we've done so far. The two that you see on LinkedIn are actually in the field uh, working for McCoy Petroleum, uh, but really, I, you know, I, it was a godsend to find Lee. He was, uh, he was a person that took it and said, "Yes, I think it will work." And in about a month, he came back to me and he said, "Yes, we can make this work." So, we we got started building our prototype. And let me ask Lee a question here: When Jeff came to you with this idea, what? When I saw the the video or the on um, social media, to me it looked like something that a couple guys, no offense, maybe having a beer or two, would put together in the backyard. It just seemed like such basic garage logic. Um, when when he came to you with that idea, did you instantly know how it was going to work, or was this something you thought of in the past? Just talk to me a little bit about, because like I said, when you look at it, the, the visual says, well, duh, it's like two kids putting together an erector set, just put, hooking things together. But I'm sure there's a lot more complication into it than that. Yeah, so that's kind of why I was really interested in the whole project. I've got a background in electrical engineering and, and just 
a passion for solar and alternative fuels in general. And uh, when Jeff came to me and said, hey, I've got this idea and everybody's told me it can't be done, I said, well, I don't know much about the oil field, but I, I know something about solar and electrical design, and I'd love to take a look at it and see what could be done. So, um, yeah, it wasn't an immediate, you know, obvious answer of, yes, this will work, or no, it wouldn't. It was a, uh, let's collect some data and, and see what it would take to make this thing work. And so um, we started by just going around to several different pump jacks out in the field, some run with electrical uh, some on engines with natural gas, some on propane, uh, just kind of looking at the different scenarios. Because I, like I said, I knew up until about a year ago, maybe a little longer, I knew very little about the oil field and um, have had, to, uh, had a really rapid education on that. But um, the biggest challenge that we faced was overcoming the, the difference in torque on these uh, on these pumping units, when when you're lifting the weights, or depending on how they're balanced, you know, typically when you're lifting the weights, there's a lot higher torque requirement, and then when the weights are falling, uh, it's got a regenerative moment where it actually, the pump jack will try to uh, accelerate the engine or the motor that's powering it and managing all of that without any type of, of storage. This, this system that we built has no batteries, no no ultra capacitors or anything like that. It's, it's all... Um, managing it actively within the uh, the variable speed drive, and that's kind of where the where the the magic happens, or where the secret sauce is, is being able to control that uh, the speed and the torque of that motor to um, to run it on an intermittent power source. Lee Lindquist, and then also Jeff Base. They're with Ridge Enterprises, talking about kind of a, a solar and. Uh, pump jack, donkey pump jack, uh, hybrid unit that they're um, finding some success on. And you did answer my next question, which was the biggest obstacle of torque. And I kind of figured that would be the the um, answer. And so I wrote down uh, Cummings and G2IT and Swift Transportation. And so um, I'll let whichever one of you feels comfortable answering this. But Jeff, we talked a little bit off uh, off air a little bit about how you've got some relationships up in the back end with G to it, so that's why I wrote down G to it. But uh, when when I interviewed Jerry Swift with, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Jerry Moyes, CEO of Swift Transportation, they were working with Cummings. They were trying to get their fleet, their trucking fleet, uh, to natural gas engines, and Cummings is working on a natural gas engines. But torque was the problem. They couldn't get over the Rocky Mountains. Is at the end of the day, they were having some issues there. And when you mentioned that seemed to be the the biggest obstacle for you was torque. Now, Jeff, we talked about working with G2IT on some things. Do you fold in like a natural gas? Is, is there a second or a third option to the solar that comes into play on these types of things? Talk to me a little bit about how you're working with uh, G2IT. And I imagine you guys are working on some of that torque issue together. Well, we were <clears throat> when we were doing that, uh, we were strictly building um, gas compressor units for, for them. They were uh, out in the field on, on a lot of these uh, new locations that had absolutely no infrastructure, uh, no pipeline, no power, um, nothing. And um, we set up a compressor unit and uh, uh, worked with Berg Cooling um, out of Canada. And basically what they were doing, we were processing the gas um, into the chiller 
and dropping it down to somewhere between 20 and, and 30, 35 below zero, um, and breaking all of the solids out of it. Um, they would then pump it into a, a tanker, and uh, when that tanker got full, they'd bring another tank out and take that to the railhead, and, and um, they would uh, sell the solids, and, and were doing very good, and are doing very good. Mr. Jeff Bass and Lee Lindquist, hold that thought for just a moment. We're going to take a quick pause. When we come back, we'll continue the conversation with Jeff Bass and Lee Lindquist with Ridge Enterprises. My name is Jason Spies, and this is the Multimedia Cafe. Energy Group of Belfield, North Dakota is building the most technologically advanced oil refinery on the planet, the Davis Refinery, a project designed to achieve emission control levels the industry has never seen before. The Davis Refinery, working for North Dakota. MeridianEnergyGroupInc.com. Jason Spies, the most trusted voice in the Bakken. I totally agree with you, and the word that you brought into this is fact. You tell the facts. And then you let people make up their own minds. If you want someone who's competent, you don't want to get a bunch of rookies. Love listening to Jason Spies on the radio. And if I miss him there, I catch him online. Let's bring in Jason Spies, who is a multimedia journalist in North Dakota. Um, Jason, what's your thought on this? No one does an interview like Jason Spies. Welcome back to the Multimedia Cafe. My name is Jason Spies. Thank you, folks, for pulling up a stool and joining the conversation here at the Multimedia Cafe, a place where you never know who you're going to run into or what we're going to talk about. Coming up next, we're going to continue the conversation with Jeff Bass and Lee Lindquist with Ridge Enterprises. And um, they would uh, sell the solids, and, and we're doing very good, and are doing very good. Uh, we haven't done much. We've sold them some parts here Oh, the last couple of years with them, but um, that was kind of a separate thing from the solar, uh, which in that aspect of it, we got so busy with those guys. I, I'd i been shot down on the solar so much that I, I kind of put it on the back burner, and then when the oil field uh, took a dive, why we, we started revisiting it again, and that's, that's, uh, that's where Lee and I got together. Okay, so then you answer my next question too, which was this was separate. Then okay, then, uh, uh, but so free plug for you guys. So you guys do other things besides the solar, then? Yeah, we uh, we build and package and sell um, natural gas compressor units. I've, I've I've done I've been in the oil field all my life, forty forty plus years. But the last twenty, I've I've pretty much spent specifically in the in the compressor end of it. Before that, I was involved in a lot of downhole uh, aspects of the oil field and, and whatnot. Okay, great. Now let's um let's re let's circle back to the solar uh, hybrid here that you have going on the solar science project, if you will. Uh, let's 
the reason I bring it up is because there, there's some reinvention going on uh, in, in leadership and in business plans and in just in industry overall. I've had guys from like Harold Hamm to James Volker from Whiting Petroleum, John Gibson, One Oak, former chairman and, and CEO there. They've all told me in the past five, six years that they've had to rewrite their business plan. Hydraulic fracturing and horizontal drilling, this whole shale play uh, has made them rewrite their business plan. Of course, then you, you can sprinkle in all the reg- regulatory things you want, and then there's your tweaking as you go too. So this, to me, is one of those options where people are starting to look at more and more because they're rewriting their business plan. They're looking at everything in order to save money and produce more oil. Are you guys finding that oil companies are, are a little bit more receptive to this, or are you still... You know, you mentioned a few years ago they were so busy that you couldn't find a door to open. But uh, are are you finding that people are opening more door, doors and at least listening to you? Oh yeah, they're they're always willing to listen to us. Um, it's just it's it's hard uh, to get people's minds wrapped around uh, you know using solar and then uh, selling your available natural gas if if that's what you're powering on. A um, lot of lot of old school stuff that um, uh, people are are just a little skeptical about, and and we've been blessed with uh, McCoy allowing us to to you know use them basically as a guinea pig. Um, but uh, it I mean it's worked. Uh, but yeah, everybody wants to listen. Uh, we just like them to open up the checkbook. Yeah, that's easier said than done. I mean, the one thing I've noticed about a lot of these uh, oil companies is, you know, if 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 the one company is willing to put in a little bit of sweat equity, um, they'll see if the numbers work. And then, you know, if the numbers work, well, then, hey, what the heck? You know, they're all about the numbers and that sort of thing. But the the science project and the guinea pig and th- those terms are accurate. I mean, that's right because, I mean, everybody's trying to figure out how, how to – create this and then it just seems like it becomes exponential after that to where once you once you figure out how to tweak the different things um it becomes a lot more smooth sailing how close are you guys to um getting you know some of the stuff tweaked i mean are are you are are you at the point where you're ready to talk turkey in terms of numbers yet or are we still kind of uh you know um trying to finalize the secret sauce so to speak i'll let lee answer that Sure. Yeah, we've uh, we've done quite a bit of um, you know development on um, on the system and have a couple of um, a couple of sites that are that are permanently installed that are performing very well. So we you know we're we're ready to install more systems um, if there if the interest is out there and and a lot of it comes down to the site specifics. So. We are pairing a, a variable, intermittent, renewable resource, being you know solar power, with um, with the geology of the specific situation. So we don't know necessarily ahead of time what uh, what the storage in the formation is going to be like. So you know, can we get the production um, during the the daylight hours that we need to overcome the downtime at night? Um, that's that's kind of you know the balancing act that we that we have to play, and and that is a lot uh, site specific. So yeah, we're we're 
we're not applicable to every situation, but the situations that we are applicable to can see a tremendous uh, operating cost savings with, with running on solar. That's the one other thing I've seen. Um, that's the other thing I've seen about this uh, shale play USA, if you will, what's going on is there's so many little niche places and so many little niche areas that, that people can make money. I talked to a couple of guys down in the Illinois basin in Kentucky. They're drilling a $75,000 well making money. I talked to a guy up in Utah that he's basically using a big payloader scoop shovel and shoveling sand into uh, a, a big secret sauce and the hydrocarbons separate the oil from the sand. And so there's a lot of hydraulic fracturing and horizontal drilling going on, but there's also a lot of little micro booms of opportunity happening. So um, whichever one of you are, are, are the better salesman, I guess, who is your customer then? Where are you guys finding this success? Because, you know, Lee, you mentioned, you know, you guys have some pre-qualifications that need to be done. Jeff, you're the owner, so I imagine you're probably the guy that likes to put the sales hat on since Lee's the engineer. I'm just, I'm going at the abstract and linear thinkers, so I, I am stereotyping. I do apologize, but uh, who, who are your guys' customers and wh what plays are relevant to you? Well, right now we're, we're pretty pretty much strictly dealing with um, people in, in uh, northwest Kansas. Uh, we do have some people in south-central Kansas. We've We've had some interest uh, in eastern Colorado and, and um, you know, some in Oklahoma. But right now, uh, McCoy Petroleum Corp. out of Wichita uh, is the company that Lee and I have been working with. And, and uh, we've got two wells for them in, in um, northwest Kansas. And they were, they were prime candidates. Uh, uh, one well made 13 barrel a day total fluid and the other well... Uh, I believe made eight or nine, and they were paying a thousand dollars a month per well in in propane costs. Uh, also had another probably three to four hundred dollars average uh, in engine repair and maintenance, and and then happened to overpump the well. They just they couldn't get it slowed down enough to to not overwork the downhole equipment. So uh, possibly once a year or. In short, a lot of the, the, the customers are stripper wells. So this system is ideally suited to uh, low production um, wells, you know, towards the end of their life where they're marginally profitable. So we can take, you know, the, the tens of thousands of wells in the U.S. that produce 15 or fewer barrel a day. Um, any of those that are running on engines and even ones that are running on electricity where electricity rates are very high, uh, those systems are the prime candidate. And that was Jeff Bass and Lee Lindquist with Ridge Enterprises. To listen to the full-length interview or to listen to other exclusive interviews, visit thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com. The Multimedia Cafe is part of the Crude Life Media Network. Check us out on Facebook, Twitter, even YouTube. All of those social media links are available at thecrudelife.com and click on the social media tab. My name is Jason Spies and this is the Multimedia Cafe.
Group of Belfield, North Dakota, is building the most technologically advanced oil refinery on the planet, the Davis Refinery, a project designed to achieve emission control levels the industry has never seen before. The Davis Refinery, working for North Dakota. Meridian Energy Group, Inc.com. Welcome back to the Multimedia Cafe. My name is Jason Spies. Thank you, folks, for pulling up a stool and joining the conversation here at the Multimedia Cafe, a place where you never know who you're going to run into or what we're going to talk about. Coming up next, we're talking with Dan South with Dome Technology. Uh, Dome Technology, Dan South, Vice President of Sales. Well, let's start with a little uh, impromptu commercial. Well, tell me about your company. What is it you guys do, and uh, where do you operate out of, etc.? cetera? Uh, we operate out of Idaho Falls, Idaho. Um, we focus on building uh, concrete structures, primarily dome structures. It's a monolithic type construction. Um, it's a little bit unique in that our domes are built on air inflated structures. Um, so we'll, uh, we'll have like a concrete ring foundation, similar to most foundations, and then we attach an air, air form to it. We inflate it with air and then go on the inside of it and we insulate it with polyurethane foam and then we, we apply engineered reinforcing rebar and, and like shotcrete to the underside of it and so at the end of the day you've got a firm hardened very durable storage facility that is uh, quite an engineering feat isn't it in your industry or is it um, is it pretty common now i guess no it's pretty it's pretty unique you know we're a design build firm so we do all our own engineering design and actual execution um it's our engineers specialize in thin shell concrete design um, so it's yeah, it's very unique. We use a lot of finite element analysis in the designs, and it's a, they're great buildings. Uh, energy industry, do you do you supply the energy industry with these? Yeah, you know we've done a number of storage facilities for in the energy industry in the past, uh, mostly for coal storage. We've done a little bit in some refineries for pet uh, for pet coke storage. Um, they make any type of product that's stored in bulk coal. Uh, limestone, bulks, uh, pet coke, as I mentioned, um, any any bulk type storage, we're, we do really well at. Now, um, I might ask a dumb question, so I apologize, but uh, in North Dakota, we've got a refinery in Mandan. Uh, it's a Tesoro refinery. Uh, driving through Billings, Montana, I saw a, a refinery. They're talking about another one. And you see these circular... Um, Almost like space needle looking, you know, Star Wars looking dome type structures. Is that you guys? Is that a whole different? Am I am I in a different world I think here? Those are different types. Okay, they, those must be metal. Then. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so. well we'll cut that out. <laughs> um, where where are you guys uh, doing business in terms of clients? Um, how many states are you? Primarily just uh, east west, or where where are you guys shipping to? You no, know, we work pretty globally. We've got a lot of our work currently. Uh, here in uh, here on the east coast of the United States, we've got some West Coast stuff. We've done work in about 28 different countries. Right now, we have a large coal storage facility in in uh, China happening. 
Um, so we're, we're pretty globally oriented and we're able to mobilize to, to most, most places on the planet. Uh, globally speaking, how, how is the energy plays in other countries? Are they, are they having a resurgence much like uh, is happening in America? We're seeing a lot of activity at import-export facilities and others at the actual mine sites themselves regarding coal. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's still a market that's a little bit new to us. We haven't penetrated it as deeply as we'd like to, but we've got, you know, a lot of, looks like a bright future. I know uh, North Dakota, I think something like 75, 80% of uh, homes are powered by coal. Uh, it's a popular thing. Are you guys finding that um, the uh, coal companies are, are increasing doing business with you? Are they holding back because of the... Uh, EPA regulations, or how is um, you know the, the future is looking for you? I guess you know I think um, the regulations probably we can actually go come in and solve problems for customers a lot. Um, a customer is trying to do something with a with a power plant. They might have some fugitive dust emissions that the EPA is cracking down on. Our st- our dome storages work really really well for them. You know we we built domes as large as 100 meters in diameter. Um, as tall as 200 feet tall, with, where we can store over 100,000 tons of coal in one structure. And so it really solves problems. It keeps the coal out of the environment, keeps the fugitive dust emissions down. Um, it provides a very compact footprint area in areas that are maybe difficult for you know power plants or import-export facilities to operate in, where, where, where land is such a precious commodity, we can really consolidate their products. How do you guys uh, fare in the uh, logistics or distribution world? Um, are, are you by rail? Are you by car, f- uh, fleet, by uh, by barge? <laughs> we do. A, that's a good question. We do a lot of work where really all of them. We've done um, facilities where the product's coming in by rail, coming out by rail. We do a lot of facilities where it's a maybe an export facility where the product comes in by truck and by rail and leaves by barge. So we have to tie into the overall mechanical system. Um, and there's quite a bit of import as well. So really, whether it's truck, rail, barge, everybody has a need to store product, and that's what we specialize in, and we're, we're really good at it. How is it working internationally? Um, you know, there's some, within the energy world, there's always import-exporting talk. You're already exporting. You're, you're in the manufacturing world, is that right? Is well, the, the construction. Construction, so we, we okay. construct facilities so that, so that importers, exporters, manufacturers, suppliers can store their products. And how is it working internationally? Um, you know, working with some different uh, rules and regulations, I imagine. You know, you got to... I remember talking to the Montana RigMac guys, and they shipped to Australia, and they had to do some specialized uh, additions to their timber mm-hmm. uh, for obvious reasons, bugs and, you know, eggs and that sort of thing. Do, is there any you know, international barriers that you guys had to go through, or is it pretty smooth sailing? You know, each project has its own unique challenge. Um, there are, over here, we've got our own building codes and domestically in the United States. When you go over to Europe, they've got the Euro code that you need to adhere to. Mm-hmm. There's a few challenges that way. There's always some challenges logistically moving in, um, you know, getting things through uh, customs, and and then just overall, you know, some of the, some of the safety aspects of the construction project. We've got OSHA over here that you know, everyone's accustomed to, but you go to a foreign country and they have their own governing rule of law as far as health and safety. So they've got their own, they've got their own challenges. But the bottom line is, 
we're building construction, we're builders, that's what we do. Once you figure out the nuances and the idiosyncrasies for each country, you can usually work through those. Do you go outside of coal? I mean, it sounds, oh, yeah. it sounds like you would do uh, uh, domes and, and those types of things, you know? Yeah, so we'll do, we'll do the storage domes for all types of products, whether it's in the energy sector for, like, coal or for... Uh, petrochemicals like uh, pet coke we do a lot in the cement industry for clinker uh, cement itself we work in the sugar and the grain industry as far as storages um, a little bit in alternative alternative energy um, as far as like some of the pellet storages that they do anything that needs to be kept undercover that's what we like to store all right final question and it's more like a comment from you the floor is yours what, what, what do you want people to uh take away from this interview uh, about your organization? What do you want people to remember? Um, that uh, Dome Technology is uh, just a good, solid, all-around design-build company that specializes in bulk construction, uh, bulk storage facilities and material handling um, to, to enable that, uh, that storage. They can find us at DomeTechnology.com. And that was Dan South with Dome Technology. To listen to the full-length interview or to check out other exclusive interviews, visit thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com. The Multimedia Cafe is part of the Crude Life Media Network. Check us out on Facebook and Twitter, even YouTube. All of those social media links are available at thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com. That's going to do it for today's episode of the Multimedia Cafe. Thank you, folks, for joining us here this week. And thank you very much to Dan South with Dome Technologies and Jeff Bass and Lee Lindquist with Ridge Enterprises. Thank you very much for joining us. Of course, those interviews and other exclusive interviews are available at thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com. We'll be back tomorrow on this radio station at this time, and thank you very much for joining us. If you're streaming us online, or maybe you've downloaded us via the internet, like an iTunes or some other podcast platform, thank you very much. For making us part of your content selection. We appreciate it very much here at the Multimedia Cafe and the Crude Life Media Network. From the staff at the Multimedia Cafe, my name is Jason Spies, asking you to savor life and enjoy the spice. So take me as you find me, all my fears and failures. Fill my life again I give my life to follow Everything I believe in Now I surrender I surrender Savior, He can move the mountains My God is mighty mighty to save forever author of salvation heroes and conquer the grave Jason Spies, the most trusted voice in the Bakken I totally agree with you and the word that you brought into this is fact you tell the facts and then you will let people make up their own minds. You want someone who's competent. You don't want to get a bunch of rookies. Love listening to Jason Spies on the radio. And if I miss him there, I catch him online. Let's bring in Jason Spies, who is a multimedia journalist in North Dakota. Um, Jason, what's your thought on this? No one does an interview like Jason Spies.